This is a dill pickle, a mighty pretty pickle, especially when he joins you at the show. We have lots of pretty pickles waiting for you at the refreshment center. They're plump, tender, mouth-watering. Wouldn't one taste good right now? Once again, to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews Podcast, which is part of the Dark Discussions News Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the state of Massachusetts is Johnny Noel from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. That's right, actually, Commonwealth. Uh, we're here uh, because we have a special uh, episode because we have uh, two guests. And uh, let's go ahead and introduce you folks. So uh, go ahead and let us or let the listeners know who you are. Sure. How's it going? I'm Justin Dyke. I'm the director of Anything for Jackson. Uh, and I am Keith Cooper. I am the writer and producer of Anything for Jackson. Excellent. It's good to have you guys on. Uh, for folks who are curious, uh, Dark Discussions News Network actually uh, did our 2020 best films, horror films of 2020. And uh, uh, the top five was Color Out of Space was five, One BR was four, VFW was three, Anything for Jackson was listed two, and Invisible Man was number one. So Anything for Jackson from eight different co-hosts and uh, a list of over 100 films picked that, uh, and it came out to be the second best film of the year. So uh, we definitely want to let you know that we love your film, uh, and it's an honor to uh, talk to you folks. Oh, um, oh that's, uh, that's an honor. Thank, Thank you so much. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, uh, only Invisible Man uh, beat you out, uh, and uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, you guys uh, beat out the lodge. <laughs> you guys beat out. We summon the darkness. You, you know, you beat out the dark and the wicked. Yeah. So your film uh, was really a great film. Uh, so we, we got some questions oh, for you. Great. Yeah, yeah. So we got some questions for you, <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, shoot them out. So uh, Johnny, why don't you start? Um. Well. I guess uh, we'll begin with the softball. Just tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, like a little bit about your bios and, and things like that. Um, I actually uh, admittedly tried to find a Wikipedia and a little bit more, more on your IMBD, and um, I, I couldn't really find too much. So I'm really curious to hear a little bit about your um, your backgrounds a little bit, if that's okay. Sure, yeah, I'll, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll start. I uh yeah, long, long lover of uh, of you know film in general, and always wanted to work in it. So I started out, you know, as you know, I'm sure a lot do. And I was, you know, filming wedding videos and making corporate videos, trying to earn a living. Eventually, worked my way into uh, a job as a cinematographer and editor, um, working on a lot of indie films, music videos, short films, things like that. And then, uh, yeah, Keith and I met uh, about eight years ago. Um, discovered we both had a love of horror films. And we really wanted to make one together, so we, uh, we, you know, put our heads together, found some producers, and uh, quickly got handed a script about a kid who plays soccer with a monkey. And we said, "Well, that's weird. It's not a horror movie, but uh, sure, let's make that." Because we both, you know, wanted that uh, produced film under our name. And then that sort of snowballed into this really weird career where we both got to make uh, a lot of kids' movies, family movies, and then uh, eventually those, you know, movie of the week Christmas movies. Um, so that was sort of a, a weird day job that we stumbled into, uh, all the while, you know, hoping and dreaming and trying to get a, a horror movie made. Um, and then finally, anything for Jackson happened. 
Yeah, and I would say uh, my background, I started out actually as an animator, a uh, visual effects animator, working on like, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, Superman, movies like that. Uh, all the while wanting to get into screenwriting, I started making uh, sketch comedy just on the internet with some friends. Um, and that actually ended up turning out to uh, uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay's company, Funny or Die, reaching out to me, um, asking if uh, I wanted to just kind of, you know, work with them and do exclusive stuff for them. So I did that for a long time. And then, yeah, I met Justin and we both talked about how much we love movies, wanted to make stuff together. Uh, you know, we both loved horror since we were children. So that was obviously a logical step for us. Uh, and as Justin says, we got the monkey movie where I got bit 11 times by a monkey and the rest is history. That doesn't sound too good. Um, you say you loved um, horror movies so as a kid. <laughs> you loved horror movies as a kid. What um, what what movies uh, inspired you, or what movies did you did you were you a big fan of back back then? Back then, it was anything and everything. You know, like I mean, that was sort of the golden age of VHS. You know, right at the beginning when you go and you just rent. I would rent anything in the horror section. So uh, I, I didn't even. You know, I, I'd love to say that I was smart enough to do alphabetical order, but instead I just grabbed whatever cool case was there, um, and I'd end up seeing everything. You know, a few times because I, I couldn't remember how many I'd seen. Um, but the first one was Carrie. Um, that was my first movie I saw when I was three or four. Um, and then I just loved it and I just wanted to consume horror at that point. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to think of obviously influences would be, you know, movies like the omen, you know, people have pointed that out and that's, that's obviously there. Uh, it's one of my favorite horrors. Uh, but I also love slashers. I love monster movies. I love, you know, anything horror, honestly, is, is where my love lied when I was a kid. Yeah. For me, I, uh, I watched, uh, nightmare on Elm street three at a, at a sleepover with a friend's place. Uh, and I, you know, got home. My parents were like, they, they weren't into all that, you know, blood and gore stuff. So they said, oh, we don't really want you watching, uh, you know, all that stuff with, with the blood and the veins being ripped out. That's, that's too graphic for a kid your age. But then my dad pulled me aside and said, look, if you want to get scared, I'll scare you. Uh, and he sat me down to watch. I think we started with the birds. Uh, and then we worked through a bunch of Hitchcock stuff. And then eventually like play Misty for me, I know was one of his favorites. Uh, so really I got into that sort of suspense thriller, um, and that was my uh, that was my way into horror was was watching all those uh, those great films. So uh, as I got older and you know the the reins were loosened, I, I started watching all the other ones. Um, you know, catching up on the Nightmare on Elm Street things like that. But uh, yeah, that sort of thriller Hitchcock style um, horror film was uh, was my foyer into my love of the genre. Excellent. Thank you for that. Now uh, I have a question for you. Uh, uh, in the Lord of the Rings, and the, specifically the Two Towers, King Theoden says no parent should have to bury their child. And uh, most horror films are filled with young co-eds or teenagers, but you decided to focus on senior citizens, which is somewhat unique for the genre. My question is, though, it fits the story, having a senior citizen married couple wanting to bring a family member back, at least as a soul and a new host. Were you trying to make a position on what aging does to people and how grief can affect people when they have outlived their children or grandchildren? Yeah, I mean, I think that was that's that's a, that's a really good way to put it. We kind of wanted to touch on the entitlement, um, you know, kind of older people too, just feeling like it was okay to steal this baby um, from Shannon as well. So that was a big influence on us when we were uh, starting out. And honestly, it's just so much more interesting. Um, from a grandparent's point of view. And obviously, you know, if you have kids, um, you know, I always tell people, you know, I, I, you know that you're a father or a parent when, 
your, your nightmares stop being about yourself and start being about your kids. Um, and so I think that at the core is kind of where it gets to, right? We, it's, it's not even so much about us anymore. It is about your kids. And I assume I'll feel that way about my grandkids someday too. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, we really set out as, as you know, we said already, we made a lot of films in other genres and, uh, we were been excited for years to finally get a horror film off the ground. So when it uh, finally came time, we said, you know, we got one shot at this. We've got to make sure we, we get some attention. So as you say, most films are about co-eds. So you're going to fit in and it's going to be a, uh, you're going to sort of, you know, maybe look a little bit more like the rest of the noise. So um, from the very beginning, we said, this movie has to be different. How do we do that? So every time there was an instinct and, you know, the easy question is who would want to bring a kid back? Oh, the parents. And we said, yes, but that's obvious. How do you push that further? What else? We were constantly asking that question, you know, who else, what else, how else? Um, and that's, uh, I think that's how we came to, to grandparents. And then, you know, as Keith said, like the, the generational entitlement and all these other incredible elements uh, stemmed from that. Uh, it was always about standing out and making something different. Nice. Uh, Johnny, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, that's an excellent response. I tell you, um, you know, you, you parse through this movie and it's, it's obviously like multi-layered and, you know, listening to you guys uh, speak about it, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious about the writing. Um, my question was, did you intentionally or not intentionally uh, make the movie either a movie about abortion rights or taking a pro-life stand or anything? Was that intentional or not intentional in the writing of the movie? Um, I don't think so. I don't think it was ever about that. It was about, it's about conflict for sure and grief. Um, but it, that, that choice was sort of, you know, Shannon's journey in, in the movie. Um, you know, in the beginning, obviously she's, she's scared and doesn't really know if she wants to be a mother. Um, but you know, biologically, I think this is part of the reason we're given nine months before we have uh, a baby is you got to mentally prepare as well. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know how spoilery you want to go, but you know, that's, that's what happens later on in the movie. Um, you know, when we, we realize Shannon then is excited about becoming a mother. Um, but there, I certainly wasn't trying to take a stand, uh, one way or the other. Um, I don't know, Justin. No, I think, you know, it is, I guess it is mentioned in that one scene, but that was really just more based on, on who these characters were, um, in terms of their feelings on, on the subject of abortion. But that wasn't something in my mind, um, when, when creating the film. No, that's fair. That's fair because a lot of people uh, will take what they want from a film. Once it's released, it becomes what they they see sometimes, and uh, so many different people can see uh, different things in a film. So yeah, that's absolutely. fair. Absolutely, and I, I and I love reading the discussion online of people who find things like that in a film, and they can you know take uh, take meaning that wasn't necessarily intentional, but that doesn't you know as in all art, it doesn't mean it's any less real. I like it when their answer is better than mine, and then I can steal that answer. <laughs> Right. That's true, too. Um, I have a question about uh, the grief. You brought that up, and that's an interesting thing. And uh, this film takes place in winter, and uh, so a lot of things are dead. Plants are you know, shut down. Animals are hibernating. And it's a very dark melancholy, obviously carries its weight over the film. And a death of a child and grandchild isn't a happy topic. The main thing, though, isn't the car accident that occurred prior to the beginning of the film, but the emotions of such a loss causes that brings the melancholy to the film. Fear and hate 
though, are usually common emotions in horror films, but you decided to focus on another powerful and strong emotion, that being grief itself, and how it can destroy the entire moral code of otherwise decent people. Could you go into details on how you used grief as the key component of the lead characters and how it was stronger for them than the guilt on what they were doing and the fear from what they were seeing, which are usually common tropes in horror films? Justin, you want to field this essay, or do you want me to take a crack at it? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, it, it, it sounded like it stemmed from the script, but I, I can go first if you'd like. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. Um, it, yeah, it's uh, it, grief is, I think, like one. Of, it's it probably could be the most powerful emotion. It's um, and especially you know Keith and I are both parents, so uh, you know as he said earlier, when you think about the love for a child, and I think it's a you know you a lot of people use the expression you know I would I would die for this person, but what happens if it goes one step further. Like what would you, would you suspend your moral compass? Would you, um, would you go beyond dying for a person? Would you make a deal with the devil, uh, to, to get somebody back? So it really was just creating a scenario that was so overwhelming, uh, that the audience themselves has to question like, yeah, you know what? If, uh, if given the opportunity, would I do that? I don't know. And, uh, in, we wanted to push it so far that you, you had to ask that question. Um, it would have been easy to tell the story from, you know, Shannon Becker's point of view and these two bad guys kidnapped her and it's all about her trying to escape. But, um, that's, uh, that's again, a bit too easy. We wanted to see, you know, what, what if, what if you're on the other side, can you possibly justify doing something this horrific? Um, and, and I like to think that, uh, we've made people at least ask the question, like, I don't know, how far would I go if put in this situation? So, um, for me, for me, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're, we're on the same page with that. That's, that's exactly it. You know, and it's, it's even, even if you can't agree with what they've done, um, you know, it's, it's, if we can make you think like, I don't know, I understand it though. then then that's good. You know, I feel like that's the harder thing to pull off. So that's what we are aiming for. Nice, very good, thanks. Uh, John, what do you got? Uh, well, a, a question just kind of popped into my mind. Um, I thought the the choice of the home was absolutely tremendous. So my question is, how long did you have to scope out to find that home to shoot the movie in, at least from the exterior? And you mentioned your love for the birds, uh, you know, when you were younger. Um, and obviously the home that was used in that movie was quite eerie and, and quite perfect as well. So was, so was it a long search and was it uh, a big part of, you know, the script to find like the perfect home where you shot that? Cause it was brilliant. I thought. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it, the house was actually very simple. Um, it was as easy as asking everybody in my house if they minded if we shot here for a few weeks. Um, it's, uh, it's my house that we used. It was a super low budget movie. Um, so we were trying to put all of our money into the, uh, into the, you know, makeup effects and, uh, cast ups and things like that. So we shot in my house primarily and then, uh, Justin's house as well for Ian's basement and their bedroom. Uh, and then we built one set to match the, uh, to match the exteriors of my house and interiors. Yeah, so, you know, Keith, yeah, obviously it's, it's easy if we could shoot in your own house, but anyone who's made a film knows you don't really want to shoot in your own house. So it was certainly uh, a big ask of him and his family. But uh, it really is the uniqueness of that building. I think if we didn't have access to it, we certainly would have been looking for it because uh, 
Mm. Um, you know, again, haunted houses are usually your, you know, Victorian farmhouse. Uh, but Keith's house has, you know, even more corners and lines and shadows and staircases. And there was just, there was so much to play with in that space. Um, then he, he hadn't lived there that long. Like it'd only been a year or two that he had moved into that. Yeah, house, even as, as mm-hmm. soon as, uh, as soon as this idea came up, I remember just, you know, we would be working on it in his house and I'd be looking around picturing like, Oh my gosh, the trip the treat goes to come in here and do that. And, um, it's just, yes, yeah, such a great, unique, uh, space to, to haunt with ghosts that we were, uh, that, yeah, I, I especially was really, really excited about the concept. And it's like a big haunted tree house. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was, I would thought it was tremendous. I mean, just the exterior of that, um, I just thought it was so unique for the, the type of picture and everything. I loved it. Yeah. Um, Thank you. now, uh, I, I got Thanks, a question. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, uh, generally when a film focuses on the perspective of a character, we usually focus and even start with the main character, or in this case, Audrey and Henry. So two main characters. But, uh, my question is, I was curious, where did you get the interesting idea of showing the audience the key twist through the perspective of the Shannon Becker character first over and above our main characters where Becker's character discovers Jackson being in the bedroom with her. Was that simply a quick way to show that the movie indeed was more than it really was and not just the fantasies of a couple filled with grief? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's hard to explain. I, I think, um, yeah, sorry, hit me again there. You hit me with a lot of stuff there. I was trying to interpret the first part, and then I was like, oh, wait, I missed the part about Shannon. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but basically... Show that, that Jackson... I mean... Yeah, go on. But we also wanted to get across that it is a haunted house movie, right? Like, um, you know, as a horror fan, I, I don't love slow burns in my horror. You know, I, I don't love waiting the typical 27 minutes until I start getting scared. Um and, you know, or to understand what the movie is. So I think it was, it was all just part, right? That's it, it, the audience is really Shannon uh, in this movie, right? Henry and Audrey are controlling the situation, controlling the movie and the narrative and the plot. Um, so the audience, our point of view is Shannon. So we just wanted to make that as jarring an experience uh, for the audience as we could um, right from the beginning with the opening scene, but then also continuing that when she doesn't understand where she is. Um, you know, very much like a Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz or something, right? She's a fish out of water. She's in this new scenario. Um, so we just wanted to to kind of get that all across as quickly as possible. That should, it was always our job. Yeah, that makes sense because it immediately eliminates the unreliable narrator issue that a lot of people may have with, with those type of films. So uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was a great idea, and, and you're absolutely right. It, uh, Shannon was, in, in a sense, the audience perspective. So, yeah, well done. Uh, Johnny, what do you got? Really sorry to interrupt, but unfortunately we're out of time. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So why don't, why don't you uh, give, give uh, your uh, places where people can find you, social media stuff. Oh, sure. I'm just on Twitter under uh, at Justin G. Dyke. Yeah, Twitter as well. Keith is a jerk. All right, sounds good. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time, and uh, we're looking forward to see what you guys do next. Thanks, Thanks so much. Really appreciate great questions. Really appreciate it. Yep, you're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, so, uh, John, yeah, that uh, was interesting. Unfortunately, um, we, we didn't get him as, uh, to stay on it longer as we thought. We originally thought it was a, an hour, but it appears that um, they're doing uh, numerous other um, 
interviews and uh, we were miscommunicated uh, through the, um, the publicist. But uh, it was good that we were able to get them on anyway because we were able to ask some of our questions. We did have some other great questions that we wanted to ask. Um, and, yeah, let me read them here. Uh, you, you had one, too. I'll read one to you. I, I just uh, ha- I told you about offline, and that was uh, – uh, Becker seems to be at a cro- Becker meaning Shannon Becker seems to be at a crossroads of what to do with her pregnancy, and she seems to be alone with no help. Whether it would be the father or any of her extended family, was it intentional that some may look at her unfortunate circumstances in the film that is caused by Henry and Audrey as a metaphor for the experience and turmoil that some woman may experience when having an unplanned pregnancy? And uh, you mentioned that. Um, who knows, right? Because they, they may have. Uh, that may just be an overthought, but they may have just uh, coincidentally it turned out to be possibly a metaphor too, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, like a lot of times, you know, movies are what people who watch them interpret, you know, them to be, you know, and that could have been like something that somebody takes and, you know, breaks it down and has like an opinion on which, and when it's actually either coincidental or accidental or whatever in a movie, but yet, but yet fodder for deeper thought, which is cool, right? Indeed, indeed, yeah. And uh, you actually said you had one other question. That, or well, yeah, We all had a bunch of questions, but there was another one that you wanted to ask, too. What was that one? Yeah, well, specifically, like, in the beginning of the movie, you thought that Henry and Audrey were, like, the most well-put-together, um, you know, older people there were. And, you know, by halfway through the movie, you realize that they were disorganized and they were a wreck and they were, like, you know, Keystone Cops, so to speak. Um, and you know, that was an interesting turn in the movie that I did not see coming. You know, if you look at the first half an hour, you're like, these people are brilliant. They've thought of everything. There's no, you know, rock unturned. And then by the end of the movie, you know, he, or not even the end, by about three quarters of the movie, he's out in the woods screaming, you know, just, you know, like a, like a maniac up in the air when he was uh, trying to get rid of that, that, uh, um, you know, the, the landscape guy's body. I don't know, spoiler or not. Uh, yeah, no, that's that, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, um, spoilers are all right, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because you know the uh, Henry's a medical doctor. Uh, he's still uh, working. Um, his wife was, was it seemed like she was the organizer of the whole plan, and uh, you know how she was able to unlock the cell phone of Shannon it was brilliant and stuff. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And as the film uh, continues to go down the, uh, to the end. The, the two of them are beginning to kind of break down, uh, almost like dementia. Yeah, you know, it could be a metaphor for dementia, a metaphor for uh, Alzheimer's, a metaphor for just getting old and unfortunately experience things that, um, you you know, when you were younger would, would have been no problem at all. So yeah. uh, that that's a good good question, actually. And it would yeah, the, the basic uh, losing your fastball as you get older type deal, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so at the beginning, we know they're they're uh, all set and, and ready to go. And then by the end, when all the chaos happens, when the the ghosts and the supernatural and the demons and whatever begin to uh, haunt them, uh, never mind their their guilt and their fears, they begin to kind of be like you said, Keystone Cop is a, is a good way to put it. Yeah, so. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of other questions we had too, and we were hoping to get a, at least a few more in because we we, we thought we were going to get about another twenty or thirty minutes with them. But uh, uh, it was good enough that uh, they they took the time to even come on the show, so that was nice of them. 
Um, any, any final thoughts that you wanted to bring up before we uh, start wrapping it up? Uh, it'll be a shorter episode for folks who are, are curious, uh, but uh, no worries. You got, we got some good uh, information from uh, the filmmakers. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't do the original review of the movie, but I thought it was an absolute grand slam. I absolutely love the movie. Um, it's one of my favorite movies uh, in this genre that I've seen in, you know, probably a year or so. So it, it would be a memorable one in my mind. Um, what I loved about it, obviously, was uh, usually, like you said, these horror movies have a much younger, um, you know, uh, antagonist, if you will. Or uh, protagonist, or protagonist. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, and and I also loved the fact that this was a supernatural movie, certainly, um, but it was a it was a horror movie that had almost like a little hint of witchcraft in it, or whatever, um, or, or a lot of witchcraft, however you look at it. Um, Occultism, sadism, all that. Yeah, all that, all that stuff. But I mean, I thought it was, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Uh, as, as as I mentioned earlier, um, uh, rated the second best uh, film, uh, or at least for the horror films, anyway, uh, by Dark Discussions News Network last year. So, uh, and, it, and it was a damn good competition that it had to beat out. Uh, the only film that it couldn't beat out was. Um, a major motion picture by uh, a Hollywood studio. Uh, so I, th- I think you're right on, John. Um, like you said, uh, in the last year, it's probably one of the best horror films you've seen. And, uh, you, you know, that we're only halfway through, uh, not even halfway through 2021. So if you go back to last year, um, it makes sense that we had it as, as in the top, one of the top five horror films. So, um, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, any final things you wanted to bring up? Uh, well, I guess I feel like I could talk about this movie for a while, but, uh, no, not really. I think it was just, like I said, I think it was brilliantly done. I can't, cannot wait to see what they do next in this genre because, you know, this was their first, you know, real attempt at it because, uh, it's not in their wheelhouse, so to speak. And I think that, uh, the sky's the limit for these two is, you know, it was very, very well written, very well done. Um, you know, he found some incredible, uh, actors and it was just great. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and, and it, it'll be curious too because uh, um, I was going to ask them if we had more time. You know, were they planning to be a duo like a lot of filmmakers? For example, uh, the guy that just did the Godzilla film, he usually works with Simon Barrett, so uh, Wingard and Barrett, and then the guy that uh, did the Invisible Man film, um, Lee Wan L, he usually works with James Wan, and 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 so you know you get a lot of people that come together and, and make some quality stuff like these two here and it would have been curious to see um if they were going to continue for a while and then um see what else like you said they're going to do yeah and uh, the McManus brothers obviously work together and the cohen yeah. brothers work together <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's right who's the first group you said uh mcmanus you know from uh block island sound yeah that's right exactly yeah, yeah. so so that, yeah there's a lot a lot of folks that uh do that and uh um stick together with the same partner um, now, uh, for folks who are curious, uh, by the time they hear this, uh, John, you'll be, already be uh, on a, most likely another released episode. You're on the Greenland uh, film review episode, uh, but we're doing a, uh, a LGBTQ uh, Pride Month uh, art house uh, lesbian films for June, and uh, we're doing one uh, Sunday night, uh, which will be... Uh, Let's see. Well, today's June 3rd for folks who are curious, 2021, and we're recording uh, a film on a review on June 6th, 2021. And 
hopefully uh, you'll be able to catch that film before we, we have, what, four days before we're recording it. So uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet. Um, have you? No, I haven't. I'll watch it. No, I'm going to watch it this weekend. Yeah, same here. I'm going to watch this. Have you seen it yet? No. Oh, okay. No, no. Completely, completely going in blind. Uh, though it, it does get have good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but we'll talk about more uh, about that film uh, on Sunday. Yeah, speaking uh, of going in blind, Phil, it's interesting. Um, you know, obviously you've been uh, a movie fanatic your whole life, really, but you've been kind of getting into this, uh, you know, critic and review type thing, you know, more seriously over the last, you know, 10 plus years or whatever. I never used to go into watching movies blindly. And you, I don't know if you just casually recommended it to me once, like, hey, just go in blind and watch this movie. And now that I started doing that, I prefer going into movies blind rather than knowing anything about it. Is that something you you do most of the time or don't recommend? Or what's your thought on that? Yeah, that, that's what I usually do now. Uh, I go in completely blind, uh, like for anything but for Jackson. Um, I just heard that it was good from a few people I saw online, didn't read reviews or anything. Went over to Rotten Tomatoes, saw that it had, you know, pretty damn good reviews, like 96%. And that's pretty incredible for a horror film because they're usually anywhere between 50 to 70 if they're considered good. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't bother seeing the trailer. I, I didn't bother reading the, the blurb. And I, I just went in completely blind. So uh, that's what I, I try to do uh, a lot now uh, because it, um, doesn't ruin the surprise, you know? I mean, so, uh, like, you know, I had no idea this was a supernatural film, for example, you know, and I probably wouldn't have until I, I didn't until Shannon's character sees Jackson, you know? So, um, at the beginning, I thought they maybe, oh, they're just crazy people. Uh, they're unreliable narrators. They're, uh, live in a fantasy, you know, just, you know, because you see so many movies where, you know, you can get a, a witch book and you can cast a spell and it does nothing because obviously there's no such thing as magic and witches, uh, at least in, in that way. And, um, and yet this, what this was actually happening. So that's how I usually go into it. And, uh, it seems like you, you kind of did too for this film, right? Yeah, totally. I, I, I had no idea anything other than you said, hey, well, I obviously knew it would probably be a horror on some level because this is dark discussions after all. Um, even though we do other genres or whatever, but, um, no, I knew nothing about the film and loved it. And by the way, I thought Jackson was alive for about, you know, three minutes of the movie. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. I thought he was running around the room there and I was like, Oh my God, he's dead. This is, this is incredible. Like I, I, you know, it was like the early twist of the movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's usually gives a, a better experience. I feel, um, when, when you you know you know as little as possible um i know some people still get enjoyment by watching the trailers and, and reading blurbs or even re reading reviews prior to going in but i just try to get the bare minimum and it's just you know one way to do it so whatever other people do you know they they, they their way i'm sure it works for them yeah sure like i used to always do the research before films and then i now that i basically kind of stopped at your i want to say urging or prodding or just suggestion i should say um i don't i don't i like doing it much better um just going into everything blind i just think you watch the movie just with a much more open mind and you don't really know anything and you know you haven't been jaded or anything so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the only thing I, I try to do is just to see what critics are saying generally or or people i know that i trust are saying without them telling me you know they are, i mean in other words uh, i just go and see okay my, my one of my favorite critics do they like it or not and that's it so i don't even read the reviews if they say 
this is a good film or it gets three out of four stars, you know, because you don't want to, if you go in completely blind, you're going to go in uh, a film that's got zero out of four stars and, and you're going to go in and you go, what the hell am I watching this for? So um, the only, only type of research I would do is, is that type of research uh, just to make sure that I'm not wasting money or time. Right. You know? So, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we, we are doing that uh, for the LGBTQ month. Uh, a couple of the films that we're doing, we're going in completely. Blind. What are we doing for Sunday films? Uh, well, uh, yeah, since people have already, uh, know by the time they hear this, probably, uh, the film is called the gymnast. Uh, it's a film from, I think 2006, maybe, or, or 2016. It was one of the other, um, it's a, uh, uh, drama. Um, and it takes place in, I believe, Las Vegas, uh, two, uh, women competing or for, for gymnastic or, or to make a show or something. And, uh, um, um, they they may or may not fall in love or have a relationship or something because again it's a it's a LGBTQ Pride Month uh, film that we're, we're a theme that we're doing. Right. So. Did you um did you uh, ever do a review of AWOL? I sure did. Yep. Yep. That was last last year we did two. Me and Barrett did AWOL and um the my summer of love which was a, a Emily Blunt film her her debut as a matter of fact um, and. Uh, the AWOL people, since that was a much smaller film, um, they actually uh, retweeted uh, our review and said that the film was exactly what we discussed. Uh, because even though it was an LGBTQ film, the film's real thing was uh, that basically um, there's no such thing as white privilege because <laughs> these people in that film are poor and white and they have no privilege. And uh, the director screenwriter was obviously very protective of those people and trying to show um, more than just, a, a, I guess, a, a lesbian film. It was really more of a uh, commentary on, on poor, poor folks, specifically white people, because we, we brought up a number of things where um, certain minorities in the film were actually much wealthier than uh, the main characters. Yeah, I thought that was a great movie. I really enjoyed Indeed. it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a fantastic. Film. That was, that was one of the best films I've seen for, in a while too. And that again was specifically because of, uh, uh, the drama of, uh, the locality and, and the people and their struggles. Uh, and, and, the oddly, even though it was looked like it was the main theme, uh, the lesbian aspect of the film was really more of a, a backdrop to the subplot because the subplot I felt was more powerful than than the main plot, which was kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that, uh, that set in upstate Pennsylvania, where was that set? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. It actually was filmed there too. Uh, the director, uh, is from there. As a matter of fact. Good enough. Uh, if one part, I, uh, back to anything, but, uh, anything for Jackson. Um, I'm really bummed that I didn't get to tell him that I literally belly laughed out loud when, um, they, they walked into the, uh, the satanic cult meeting in the rec center and you know just the way they came across the parking lot and then you didn't expect it and then they enter and then all of a sudden they're in like a rec center and everything i just i just belly laughed out loud i really wanted to tell them i thought that was like tremendously placed to kind of like break up you know the build up of the movie you know yeah it, it was kind of humorous too because it, it was uh like a the the satanism or the cult and all that was actually um uh put into place perfectly for a suburban or or rural suburban area and how groups use the rec 
center for you know that's where they meet instead of people's living room and and you know usually that type of stuff is like for the girl scouts or for the women's club or or whatever and then out of the blue they pretend there's something else they close the doors and they they pull out the the witchcraft and that devil stuff and it's actually a satanic uh ritual that they're doing or, or discussion which is kind of humorous so it was th- that was one thing about this film that was really cool was the the dark humor of the film because it's, it really isn't a comedy and yet it has very humorous elements that really merge into what is otherwise a dreary and, and depressing topic for a film. Right. I mean, the snowblower guy, we, I feel like we've all met that guy in our life. The guy that wants to mow you lawn, wants to you know, plow you out, wants to whatever, and he won't leave you alone. We all know that guy. Right. And, and, the, and that was a question I had for, for them if, if we had had them longer, which is, um, here's another guy that has is a decent human being, but you know he's he's had a bad draw in life. You know he's you know his family's situation is kaput and all this other stuff, and he really just wants, I guess, happiness or, or love or something. And 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 by helping others, you know, and and unfortunately he's annoying, but more more really he's annoying because they're trying to do a crime and he's kind of getting in a way and and. So, you know, he's just another example of another person in the film who's filled with grief, you know, just like our two main leads, which and, and even our our third lead, which is Shannon, because she's all depressed and, and gloomy, too, because she's pregnant and she doesn't know what to do with the, with the pregnancy. So and she's alone. I mean, she says she's a strained relationship with her, her mother. And then, you know, like she doesn't even like know who the father is really or whatever. So she she's alone, too. So. You know, yeah. her own grief, like like everybody else. Yeah, again, the movie I thought was absolutely tremendous. Like, just so cool, so crafty, so well written, uh, so multi layered. It was just really cool. It sure was. It sure was. Um, technically, we, we we had another twenty minutes to record. I don't know if, uh, if there was any other things you wanted to bring up, like uh, uh, various films that you've seen, or or prior films that Dark Discussions has talked about that you wanted to just talk about for a little bit uh or we can wrap it up whatever whatever works for you um yeah i mean what, i mean i have time phil if you want to if you want to throw out a topic or something um you know yeah, you know, yeah sure we, we busy with the films and with the shows and with pop culture and with everything so i mean whatever, whatever you want to chat about you know yeah sure sure we got another 20 minutes or so so uh uh before we have to wrap it up because we were supposed to record for about an hour anyway um so uh have you seen any of those uh Big films on on HBO recently, like uh, the Godzilla film or or Mortal Kombat or any of those films by any chance. The only one I watched was uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Okay, yeah. Um, that's uh, out of those like blockbuster type movies that have been on HBO Max or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, and I, you know, and I I thought I I was like I wanted to really love the movie as a child of the 80s, um, and I love the 80s pop culture and all that stuff, but I just I didn't really like it nearly nearly as much as the first one, which I absolutely loved. I mean, I loved the the Wonder Woman that came out three or four years ago. Yeah, that's pretty much what what most folks said. Uh, I, I I agree. I, I I liked the film, and I thought uh, um, Cheetah what was really good, uh, especially her all the scenes that uh, included her. But yeah, yeah, the other villain, uh, unfortunately, I think what made it a little bit over the top. So that's fair. Uh, for people who are curious, the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews did a review on that show too. So just search for that on the darkdiscussions.com. 
Um, yeah, what else? Um, so, yeah, so uh, you just became a uh, a member of uh, Shutter. You, you you just subscribed to it? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, last night. Yeah, last night. Oh, okay. And that's where you saw uh, anything for Jackson? Yeah, exactly. Because, um, you know, you told me where to go grab it. So I just saw it on the Amazon Prime there and just said, ah, oh, subscribe. I mean, you know, it's like another uh, six bucks or seven bucks a month, you know, like, I think I can afford that, you know, a little discretionary income, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. But, um, yeah, but after, you know, after a while, you have them all, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, they get cable and you got, you know, and it adds up. But, I mean, it's it's a hobby, you know, and it's entertainment. And you think about what are the, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's expensive, it adds up. But it's like, well, you know, like I said, you go to the casino, you, you play blackjack, 15, 20 bucks a hand. You go to the theater or whatever. So I think it's reasonable at the end of the day to be entertained for a couple, three hours, you know, um, if you want every day, you know. So I think it's the best deal going. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, all you have to do is watch one film a month on any of these stations. And in theory, it, it pays the pays for the station. Right. I mean, you know, you go to a, a rent a movie also, you know, Blockbuster, when, when they existed, you know, you rent two movies at six bucks. Um, so if you, you watch two movies or, or one brand new movie, like anything for Jackson, because that would be what, 15 bucks at the theaters, it, you know, it pays for itself, you know? Yeah. And now you don't have to go return movies or see if they're in stock or like, you know, if you're at the theater, you have to get up and go to the bathroom or like, you know, whatever. If somebody's talking around you, you, you get that autonomy to kind of control the environment. Um, with that being said, Phil, what do you think is going to be the what, what do you think is going to happen to movie theaters like as a whole? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I know I know a lot of people say that they'll they'll always be there, but you know, I mean, technically that could be the case. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, my mother-in-law, uh, my wife, they they only read books now on 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 electronic device. You know, so you know. I, I only I don't buy music anymore except through downloading it, you know, from iTunes or wherever. So there's a chance that uh, movie theaters may may somewhat be in trouble. I mean, I mean, I know as long as they make money and people will go out to, and spend the money, they'll be there. But um, the convenience of of seeing films uh, right by pressing a button at home with without people around is, is always a good thing you're always going to have the people that say oh well it's a different experience and it's better to see it with people or you get the huge screen or whatever which which you know that's that's for them you know but i know as many people like jason lloyd of horrorophilia uh that network that um um just closed shop uh he has a giant tv a surround system in his basement um and he says that he loves doing that and if there was never a movie theater again. He would care less. So, again, it's it's a preference. But as as you know, like you know, back in the day, it was Budweiser, Zerk, Coors, and Miller. And now, you know, you can just go to the shop and there's like 500 different micro brews. It's the same with, with theaters. Is that you know you 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 used to have just theaters, but now p there's people like Jason Lloyd who say I just rather watch it at home. So, um, you know, I know COVID that that killed. Cinemagic in our area. That was a huge theater in the southern New Hampshire, Maine area. Um, the Merrimack ones closed, right? All of them. The whole company went out of business just uh, a month and a half ago. They, they oh, officially okay. closed shop. Yeah. And so, you know, again, that was more COVID related than anything. But even with COVID closing, you know, ending, um, a lot of people 
still don't want to go out. And, and also a lot of people say, hey, I just found all these awesome films that can't even make the theater. Anything for Jackson can't make the theaters. You know, it's, it's not a theater film because a lot of great films are now VOD films, you know. It's just how it is. I mean, look at Dark Discussions. I, I mentioned the list, right? Color Out of Space, 1BR, VFW, Anything for Jackson, and The Invisible Man. Out of those five films, which were rated the top five films of Dark Discussions 2020, only one of them was a theater film. And and I know COVID shut down theaters, but the other four weren't going to theaters anyway, you know, except for maybe, you know, the five theaters in New York, you know, and that's it. So yeah, they're all excellent films too. And, and that shows right. you, and that shows you the future of what we may be looking at. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, have you seen A Quiet Place too yet? I sure did. I sure did. I saw it uh, Sunday night. Uh, we're actually doing a episode on the, the podcast, Dark Discussions podcast tomorrow. I mean tonight, actually, uh, to discuss that film. Uh, oh no, have you have you seen it? No, I haven't. No, I'm going to see uh, it like probably within the next week, I guess. Oh, right. if you if you had seen it, I would have invited you on tonight's recording, but you haven't seen it. So. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so uh, we'll discuss that um, tonight. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, it's making a lot of money. Uh, has my favorite actress, uh, Emily Blunt, by far is my favorite actress in the modern era, um, and, uh, um, and and it also has Jim from The Office too. So uh, it doesn't have the same screenwriters as the original, um, but. Uh, uh, Krasinski, uh, who uh, helped or, or participated in the screenwriting from the original, uh, wrote this one and whatnot. So, and it's getting great, great, great reviews. Uh, most people have said it's not as good as the original. Uh, I'll give my thoughts tonight on the episode. Actually, actually, I might as well just say it right now because uh, by the time they hear this, um, the, Quiet Place, the Quiet Place episode will already be out. Um, it, yeah, I thought it was a great film. Uh, it's definitely not as good as the first, but it's really close. Uh, the ending uh, will will um, be an issue for some folk, but again, that that's similar to, for example, the Empire Strikes Back ending, where um, if there's you know they've decided obviously to make this a trilogy, so there could be a, a big cliffhanger that that doesn't answer all your questions. Uh, but if you can get over that issue, that this is a uh center film of a trilogy um you, most people like this as as much as the first um i think um barrett actually likes it a little, even a little better uh i like the first a little better but um for folks who uh haven't forgotten or have forgotten i should say uh dark discussions news network rated out of all the films from that year a quiet place the first one actually uh made it as the the best film horror film of that year um and uh i know barrett already has it placed as his best film of the horror film of, of 2021 and uh, i think he may be right um, yeah, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see. It. And uh, Krasinski's a, a fellow uh, Massachusetts and like us, I think. That's right. He's from uh, Newton. Uh, it was a little odd about that show. Like forty percent of the cast were were, were like New England, uh, Massachusetts people. It was kind of weird uh, because yeah. Ke uh, Kelly, Jim, Ryan, um, uh, David Wallace. Uh, uh, Steve Carroll, they're all, all from Massachusetts. So five of five, five of the stars of the show. You know, it was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, did you see that um, with um, 
Oh my God, it's escaping me. The uh, you know the the goofball in the gla- in the with the glasses uh, in the office. Uh, the beat. Yeah, the beat. Dwight. 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 Yeah. Did you see that Dwight Schrute? Yeah. Did you see that movie? Um, the horror movie that he did um, about the well, the guy that falls in the well yet. Oh. You may be able to find it if you Google it. Yeah, Did you see that? I saw that. I absolutely loved it. You're gonna do a review on that one. Um yeah, what 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 the heck was the name of it? Do you do you remember? No, nah, just do like Dwight Troop like falls in well guy or whatever. Alright, uh yeah, let, let me let me see that. Uh yeah, the actor is uh uh Rain Wilson. So Rain Wilson, that's it, yep. Yeah, Man, Rain, my brain I tell you not working today. Fall in well. Let me see what if comes up. Uh, Rain Wilson is stuck in a well in a trailer. Oh, here it is. Uh, don't tell a soul. Don't tell a soul. Yeah, that's it. Is that is that out yet? Yeah, oh, yeah. I watched it like last year. I, I thought it was awesome. I loved it. Oh yeah. Well, let's, let me let me see what what the critics said about. It. Don't tell a soul. Let me see. Don't tell a soul. Uh, and it's it stars. Uh, Wayne Wilson. Huh? All right, so here it is. Yeah, it got pretty good reviews, 69%. Uh, Mina Savari also stars in it. Yeah, uh, and she plays a good role in that too, as uh, as the mom of one of the characters. Oh, okay. So, you, did you see this last year, uh, by chance? Yeah, I, I rented it on video on demand, like when it came out, whenever it was. I feel like it was like maybe it was. You know, now that I think about it, maybe it was like. Maybe even longer ago. Maybe it was like two years ago. I don't know, but it was, I saw it a while ago, Phil. Okay. It uh, actually actually came out in the United States January 15th, 2021. For So you must have seen it in January of this year. I feel like it was longer than that ago. <laughs> because but. there's a, re- a release date of September 8th at the Duville American Film Festival. But then it wasn't released until – January of this year. So, well, if it says January this year, and and I'm in the United States, then I guess that's when I saw it. <laughs> right, right, right. I guess well, like, with COVID years, everything seems like it's forever ago. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. So this that film could actually qualify uh, for 2021 lists. Uh, so yeah, I'll have to bring that up to the the crew as a possible film to watch because we we do a a different brand new usually a brand new horror film every week on the dark discussions podcast um but i one thing that you said that was kind of interesting is that mina savari uh estonian american by the way uh she um plays a mother in the movie it just shows you how old we are because i remember when she was like 21 and starring in american beauty right the colonel the colonel film that's right. That's right. The Colonel. That's awesome. That was a great film. Yeah. That would be a good, a good, good uh, movie to talk about for sure on the Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews. Yeah, that's cl- I would have to go watch it again. But uh, obviously, when we when that first came out, that 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 movie was like mind blowing to us. We we're like, that movie was awesome. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw that film like seven times at theaters. It was so good. I, I just had to. Back in those days, if I loved the film, I used to go see it. Like five or six times so that film well yeah that's because we had the theaters that were like midweek you go for two bucks or something yeah know? right 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 yeah i was seeing like mystic river i saw like five times at theaters traffic was another one i saw at the i mean it was just yeah, so fact, great by the old pc connection phil there used to be a theater i think we used to go to that was like i feel like two bucks yeah pc 
Yeah, what was that? Which what town? Which one? Merrimack, I think it was. It was next to the PC convention, right on the three A. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that was the theater I used to go to all the time. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that was that was the theater I went to all the time. And then Cinemagic opened up in Merrimack as well. And then that that's when that theater went out of business. Exactly right. And I yeah. believe we used to go midweek, like on Wednesdays. It was. I feel like it was literally two dollars. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, yeah. I think it was a Hoyts. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, maybe in Hoyt, Hoyt Theater. No, that was ages ago. It's crazy to think when we start talking, you're like, yeah, that was like 30 years ago, 27 years ago. It's like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. When, when, yeah. When, when I lived over in Hudson, I used to just drive across Nashville and, and go to that theater all the time. I saw The Gladiator there. I saw a bunch of the, f- films there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Time, and time flies. That's what's really unbelievable. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, Don't Tell a Soul. That sounds like a pretty damn good film. Uh, I got pretty good reviews. Yeah, get me on that review, Phil. I love it. I'll watch it again. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Uh, I'll throw that out as a, as a possible episode. Um, I know next week we're going to be doing a, a seance with uh, Simon Barrett, uh, directorial debut, uh, the guy that writes most of Adam Wingard's films. Uh, he has a directorial debut seance, and uh, that's what we're going to do. But after that, yeah, this could be a topic. I, I'll throw it out. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right, sounds good. We're 55 minutes in, so we might as well, yeah, like you said, wrap it up. Hopefully uh, people were interested in our little chit-chat and, and discussions uh, after talking to anything for Jackson, a director and screenwriters. Uh, so um, with all that stated, uh, Johnny, why don't you lead us out? Well, I don't know if I'm qualified for that yet, Phil. Maybe next time I'll have to be, I'll have to get myself psyched up for that. I don't want to fumble it like, uh, you know, Corey Dillon before he came to the Patriots. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, right? So, all right. So, uh, fair enough. So, uh, uh, once again, this is Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, part of the Dark Discussions News Network, and basically a spinoff of the Dark Discussions uh, podcast, which is the weekly podcast for the the news network. Uh, the website is darkdiscussions.com. You can email us at darkdiscussions at aol.com, and we will read your email on the podcast. You can also go to the Facebook group at Dark Discussions. Uh, Facebook group and join in the, the discussion there, even though uh, Facebook is a cesspool of hate, as all social media is. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Dark Discussion One. But uh, another thing also is you can join us on Patreon, where you can support the, the network because the network is completely free to you, but it costs money uh, for me specifically because uh, basically. Uh, hosting sites uh we just did we're doing a huge transfer from one audio hosting site to another this weekend we're almost done uh should be finishing up this weekend uh which will make the website much uh cleaner to run uh and that costs money uh so if you want to join patreon you can just go to patreon.com backslash dark discussions or you can just go to darkdiscussions.com and press the patreon button on any of the pages and it'll bring you right there if you donate five dollars you can choose one film for us to do as an episode uh but if you chose uh or donate fifteen dollars you get to choose three films or you could just choose one film three times but either way at the end of every quarter we pick out of a, a hat basically a um a topic so for example if there's 10 people who put in a hundred dollars total there would be a total of uh, 20 films in the hat and we would pick it out and if you uh, donate once that 
movie will remain in the hat. So uh, each each time you donate, each month that you donate five dollars, uh, more and more it gets into the hat. So it's like a jukebox where you press uh, a button and it will go right to the top of the the queue. So, you know, more film, more chances to win. But either way, uh, any help would be greatly appreciated. And so with all that stated, now Johnny, why don't you leave us out? Well, this wraps up another uh, episode of Doc Discussion. I can't even say the word that it is, Bill, but uh, uh, as always, it's been great. I would say that we everybody needs to see uh, anything for Jackson. It was tremendous. Watch that film and uh, let us know what you think. Going to the ball with my young